0: Thankful for this morning. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to 1 Peter, all right? 1 Peter chapter 4 is where we'll be this morning as we're continuing our study through this wonderful little book <clears throat> of the New Testament. And as you're finding your place there, I just want to remind you once again as we come to it, as we're kind of trying to keep the overall context in mind, a uh, 30,000 foot uh, bird's eye view, if you will, of this book of the Bible. Uh, keep in mind that Peter is writing for this main purpose. He is writing to strengthen the brethren just as Jesus told him to do in Luke 22, 32. Jesus said, Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Uh, this is what Jesus wanted him to do because the Lord knew in just a few short years after the birth of a New Testament church that they would soon find themselves under great suffering and find themselves going through great persecution, being tortured and even being put to death all from the cruel hand of the wicked ruler of Nero. And so in that moment, these believers, they needed a lot of strength. But how were they going to get it? Where were they going to find it? Well, they were going to find it as Peter and other men like him, other apostles, would sit down in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and write these books of the Bible to give them great hope, to give them great encouragement, to give them great comfort. And that hope, be reminded, that hope we've been talking about for some time now is not some... uh, game of chance, if you will. The hope that we have as believers is not let's cross our fingers and hope this thing works out type of hope. You see, the hope we have that we get to enjoy and that we can confidently stand upon is a hope that is based on the person and promises of God. You see, that's real hope. And that's where we stand as believers. And this is what Peter is trying to do, trying to give them hope through the fiery trials which are trying them and which would try them, just trying to help them and give them great strength and great hope. They would find it as they would read God's great word. And so, folks, if you need hope today, you need some encouragement today, some comfort and strength today, remember, get in the word of God. Let God help you because he will. He'll strengthen your soul. So keep all that in mind as we go through 1st and 2nd Peter, all right? But this morning we're coming back to 1st Peter chapter 4, and uh, we'll read in verses 1 through 6. All right? So look at it with me. The Bible says this. 1st Peter 4, verse number 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead for for this cause? Was the gospel preached also to them that are dead That they might be judged according to men in the flesh But live according to God in the spirit Our fathers we look to your word this morning No doubt there's many here that need some encouragement Help, comfort and hope May they find it as they rest in the word of God And find it as they rest upon the sweet Holy Spirit Who is our comforter And find exactly what they need in you today I pray you would help me to preach because I know without you I can do nothing. Lord, please speak to our hearts. Change our lives all for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we look at this text this morning, there is a phrase that sticks out to me, which also I believe to be the key verb, at least, in this uh, paragraph or this section of verses that we, that we read. But it's this phrase. And if you have a habit of marking your Bible, circle it, all right, or underline it, highlight it, whatever but it's this phrase where he says in verse number one, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. Say it with me. Arm yourselves. All right, that's about half of it. rest of you join in. Here we go. Say it with me. Arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. Now, when you read a phrase like this or hear a phrase like this said, what comes to mind? You may have several things that come to mind when somebody says to arm yourself. But for me, I think of bracing myself, of Getting ready or be better be prepared, but prepared for what? Well, again, with this word arm yourself, I'm thinking that I need to be prepared to fight. Anybody here like to fight? Don't raise your hand. All right, anyway, but be prepared to fight, Uh, be prepared for battle, be prepared to defend myself somehow. And that's exactly what this phrase is getting at when he says arm your." You see, uh, this word, arm yourselves, has been used by a Greek commander within the Roman military as he would command his men to prepare for war. You see, when a Greek soldier would hear the word hapolizo, that's the Greek word there, and that is the redneck interpretation, how you say it, all right, hapolizo. But when he would hear that Greek word hapolizo, he knew exactly what that meant. That meant, as a Roman soldier, I am to gear up. I am to gather every available tactical resource at my disposal. That means I take up my sword, I would gather up my spear, I would get a dagger and even steal my wife's knife if I needed to, but I'd find every available resource that I had at my disposal and gear up and arm myself. But not only would you gather your offensive weapons, if I can say it that way, but you'd find some defensive material as well. You'd put on your armor. You'd take up your shield. You would take anything you would need ready for battle. Whatever you got, arm yourself and be ready for war. So as Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pins this phrase, hapalizo, arm yourself. Listen, he wasn't writing, though, to Roman soldiers. He wasn't writing to individuals who were fighting within the Roman army. No, he was writing to thousands of believers at that time and, of course, millions after who were facing, well, they were facing war. But it was of the physical sort of pain and suffering and great difficulty as they were facing horrendous persecution. And as they faced it, Peter, again, trying to encourage them, strengthen them, help them, prepare them, trying to arm them for what is coming and what they are even currently facing. He's trying to arm them because what was coming was brutal, harsh, and it was a battle. Let me ask you here, raise your hand if you like pain. Anybody like it? <laughs> I would say No. Nobody likes nobody likes pain, and when you're going through it, when you're going through suffering, going through a battle, guess what? You're going to be tempted to quit. You're going to be tempted to find any way necessary to get out of that pain or suffering, throw in the towel, or be tempted even like Peter was after the arrest of Jesus when he denied knowing the Lord. He did so because he did not want to face the same treatment that Jesus was about to face. He didn't want to go through his harsh treatments. He didn't want to face suffering and pain. But listen, even in the face of mistreatment, the face of possible suffering, understand we cannot give in. We must not give up. Rather, we must arm ourselves. We must have some kind of resolve about us as you face difficulties, mistreatment, false accusations, hardships, suffering, and so much more. Listen, I'm here to tell you, during those times, you must be armed. And you say, preacher, got it covered. I got my concealed carry, and I am armed and dangerous. I got it. Don't you worry about me. Don't nobody mess with me. Well, that's good, okay? I am a, um, pro-Second Amendment. I am a red-blooded American patriot, amen, as well, okay? But um, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. Besides, concealed carry means you don't tell nobody about it, all right, anyway. That's not what we're talking about. We're, we're not we're not talking about taking up arms, as in as in some kind of firearm or AR-15s, tanks, Bearcats, 40 millimeter grenade launchers, 9 millimeter, 45 ACP, 38 ACP, 22 long rifle, or even a BB gun. Okay, we're not talking about taking up those kind of arms. You see, rather what we're going to look at this morning, and they're probably going to take us this morning and next as well, looking at these. But what we're going to look at this morning. Even when, listen, even when all of that is gone, you don't have anything to physically defend yourself. I want you to know you can still be armed. You can still be armed. To arm yourself. Now, as we think along these lines of arming ourselves within a context of spiritual warfare, no doubt our minds would go to passages like Ephesians chapter 6, and verses 10 through 18, when it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. You may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication, for all saints. Now, listen, this text is a fantastic text when it comes to our spiritual battle, and it points to every piece of the believer's armor to fight within that battle. But I want to remind you that text is pointing to a spiritual warfare. It points to the wiles of the devil, it points to wrestling against principalities and powers and such, and points to all different aspects of a spiritual fight. But the arming here, the arming yourselves in 1 Peter isn't necessarily dealing with the spiritual aspect of things, though it can be implied, and yes, we could apply that as well, but I believe rather this arming ourselves here in 1 Peter, I think, is dealing with the actual physical hardships and pain and suffering, and yes, even persecution that Christians have faced and are facing in other places. And if Lord tarries, we, we can even face here in... America, you see to arm yourself against against that as we face potential persecution but the question would be how do you do that what are we to arm ourselves with what are we to gear up with as we face as people face potential hardships difficulties trials suffering whatever you want to put in there As you face those things, what are we to arm ourselves with? Well, great question. I want to see this. Number one, from our text, arm yourself with this. Number one, proper thinking. Proper thinking. Now, you say proper thinking about about what? Well, um, the overall uh, answer to that question would be this. Yes, okay? We need proper thinking about everything, uh, of course, but... Within this context, what Peter is saying, he is pointing to the fact, we have proper thinking, listen, of suffering. Look at it with me, verse number 1. For as much then as Christ hath, what's that word? Suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath, what's that word? Suffered in the flesh hath ceased from Sin now again, if you have a a habit of marking your in your Bible, I encourage you to underline the word suffered, but also circle this one. It kind of connects it all. Circle likewise, as Peter says, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. You see, this word likewise means in the same way or in the same manner. And this word will be pointing back to something or someone as an example. And this someone that Peter's pointing back to, and when he says likewise, is the Lord Jesus Christ and the suffering that he endured and even faced. We talked a little bit about that last Sunday. So we looked in verses 18 through 22 about the suffering of the Lord. But again, look at what he says. He's connecting it all, you see. Verse number one, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Understand, church, if Jesus suffered in the flesh, if he was misunderstood, if he was mistreated and ridiculed and falsely accused by the world, then what makes us think that the world would treat his followers any different? Arm yourself with the same mind. The Bible says in John 15, verse 18 through 20, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world i've chosen you out of the world therefore the world hateth you remember the word that i said unto you the servant is not greater than his lord if they have persecuted me they will also persecute you if they have kept my saying they will keep yours also folks i know we want everyone to like us who here who here hates rejection you hate being rejected anybody i hate it okay uh i I do I hate being rejected. I want people to like me. Uh, Not everybody does, but I want people to like me, you know. I hate being rejected. But listen, if you stand up for what is right and you speak out the truth for Jesus, ain't everybody going to like you. Not even here in the Bible Belt. (laughs) They're not all going to to like you and pat you on, on the back. And because of that, we need to be armed with proper... Thinking when it comes to the fact of mistreatment, accusations, suffering. Remember Jesus said in Luke nine twenty three, And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now look, when Jesus said this, when he said take up your cross, everyone knew what he meant by this. And it wasn't to be spiritualized. Oh, he was quite literal. Because he knew what was about to come down the pike. And he says, others that will follow him, look, that could be your fate as well. They knew. They knew the horrendous form of capital punishment, of crucifixion during his time. They knew what the cross meant and what it represented. And Jesus said, look, you want to follow me? I'm not going to promise you health, wealth, and prosperity and popularity. But I can promise you this You can carry a cross And that does indicate Some form of suffering Hardship and Difficulty These folks knew what it meant To carry a cross Look even Peter knew this And Peter had to have his Thinking adjusted on the matter He had to arm himself Even with proper thinking Let me show you what I mean Kenny can you help me a minute Did you bring your Bible to church Awesome, you did not. Okay, just kidding. No, he did. All right, come up here, man. Uh, I, want, I want you to read a passage of scripture for me, okay? And I want I want to look at a couple of things. But um, but turn to Acts 12, okay? Acts chapter 12, and uh, I want you to read verses one through six, okay? And come up here so people can hear you. And turn that that's the New Testament. Yeah, uh, you turn this on. For, there you go. And uh, that way people can hear you read what uh, Acts chapter 12. Acts 12. It's in your Bible. You got it. Okay, verse number one, and read through verse number six. All right, okay. come up here so and sing. Hear you. Right. Okay. Now, about that time, Herod, vexing, or the king. Sorry, the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of the unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quinterions of soldiers to keep him. Intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people, said verse six. Yeah, three verse six. Okay. Peter therefore kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same might Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Peter was what between two soldiers? He was sleeping. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Give him a round of applause, would you? All right, now. <clears throat> Peter was was sleeping in prison after his preacher friend, a fellow apostle, was killed, beheaded, brutally, no doubt. But yet he was next, but yet he was sleeping. Let me ask you a question. If you and I were in this moment and we knew that our preacher friend was killed. If I knew that Kenny got his head chopped off for being a preacher, all right? You say, that's kind of weird. Well, that's what happened, all right, with James. But if I knew that that happened to Kenny and I was next, I don't know if I could confidently tell you that I would fall asleep in prison. I'd be a little nervous, to say the least. Who here would say I'd be a little nervous? Anybody? All right, I'm glad you're honest with me too, All right. Most of us will be quite, quite uh, nervous, just waiting for us to be next. But what did Peter do? Went to sleep. He went to sleep in that moment. Why? Because he had armed himself years previous to this of the fact that, listen, Jesus suffered. How am I to be any different? Am I greater than my Lord? And so with that proper thinking, he went to sleep. Listen, Peter was willing to take anything at this moment. Now, he hadn't always been willing. We know that. He hadn't always been willing. It took some time to get there. But he was willing at this moment in Acts chapter 12 to whatever come to take it. If that meant losing his head, he was willing to do that, to die for the cause of Christ, to suffer for the cause of Christ. Whatever come his way, he was willing to face it. Why? Because he had proper thinking on the matter. Now, I know that we would want to say amen to the fact, if I asked a question, would you be willing to do that? <laughs> we want to say amen. Yes, preacher, I'd, I'd be willing And I hope we would be. But I fear in the face of it, many would turn and quit. Why? They're not not armed for that, not ready for that. You see, too many believers today are even unwilling to open their Bible and read it on a daily basis. Too many times we're unwilling to just fall upon our knees and just spend time with God in prayer. (laughs) We're unwilling. To be as simple as faithful to church when doors are open. We need some proper thinking on the matter. God help us be armed with proper thinking. What else can we be armed with? All right, number two. Not only proper thinking, number two, purposeful existence. Look at verse number two that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Highlight, underline that last phrase, the will of God. Now listen, there is a question. I've had folks even ask me a question that's, it is a meaningful question, but it really desires an even more meaningful answer. But it's this question, listen, why do I exist why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? Maybe you've had that, that question in, in your mind before, or you've asked somebody before, or something along those lines of, why am I even here? And I understand sometimes when that question is asked, it can be through a dark time of life or somebody's struggling with this or with that and they think that their existence is meaningless and even begin to think that they were a mistake and for those that may be here today or listening on the radio later or listening live stream and maybe you're thinking that that is you your life is meaningless or you're a mistake I want to sweep off a little spot right here for and say this that is not true you are not a mistake and your life is not meaningless. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're done so for a purpose. The Bible says in Psalm 139 verse 13-14 For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. So listen, if you think your life is meaningless and you think you're a mistake, understand that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. That is a lie from the devil himself because the devil is a destroyer. He only wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can convince you with his lies that you are, 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 are meaningless and that you are a mistake, then he knows that eventually you're going to do harm to yourself and God forbid eventually even take your own life. Why? Because he's a liar and he wants to destroy you, thinking that you are a mistake and your life is meaningless. But don't listen to him. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Listen, your life is not a mistake, it is meaningful, and especially when you give it into the hands of God, it's very meaningful. And God has a purpose. For your life, but some think their existence is meaningless. Others think their existence is, well, it's all about them. And I would say the vast majority of the human race would land on that point there. They think it's all about them. It's about me, myself, and I. And even Peter alludes to this fact in verse number two look at it again with me that he no longer shall live the rest of his time, circle that phrase, the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. He said no longer, no longer live the rest of his time to the lusts of men, meaning this, as he's writing to believers, dear Christian, do not waste the rest of the life you have on this earth living your physical life like everybody else, all for themselves. As he says, the lusts of men, the desires of mankind, don't live like everybody else who are living for themselves, but live for the Lord. Because listen, selfish living, I'm telling you, is wasteful living. I have met people who have everything and then some, but yet they're some of the most miserable people on earth. I remember hearing a testimony. I was at a meeting and the preacher gave a testimony how a very, very, very wealthy man was in that meeting, sat in the very back of the auditorium. After the service was over, he came to that preacher and he said, preacher, I have this, this, and this. Here's all that I have in liquid assets. Here's all what I have in other things as well. Here's what I have, and, and I am a multi-billionaire. And if I could get just half of the joy that you have in your life, I'd give half of all that I own. And of course, he's a Baptist preacher, and he said, well, we can try. <laughs> you know, start with me. You know, we'll try. <laughs> he was joking, of course. He's just pointing out the fact that this man was miserable, had everything, but he's living for himself. Selfish living, no doubt, can be very much a wasteful living. Now, now, I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself. Don't get me wrong on that, all right? But if only people we live for is me, myself, and I, then that is going to be wasteful life. And dear Christian, let me remind you, Especially if you got saved later in life, you already live that way already when you live for yourself. But after Jesus saved you, he has a purpose for you now, to live for him. God has a will for your life. Now, we understand there's a general will, if I can say it that way, for all believers as we see the simple commands in Scripture when, when we know that it, it, it's God's will for everyone to be saved, Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. We know it's God's will for every believer to be a witness, Acts 1, 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. We know we're to be witnesses. Uh, we know it's God's will for us to be in the word, study thyself, to, to show thyself approved unto God. We know it's God's will for us to assemble together as we can, uh, as, as, we, as we can. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some he is. We, we know these things, right? The, the general will of God, the, it's black and white. We know what we're to do. But then there's sometimes... That God has something for you that he may not have for me. And he has something for me that he may not have for you. We call that God's personal will for our life. You see, not everyone will be a pastor. Let the church say amen, all right? Not everyone will be a pastor. Not everyone will be on the mission field. Not everyone will be a teacher or a nurse or a general contractor. Not everyone will be a cop or a fireman or EMS Uh, Not everybody can work in first responder community. Not everyone can can be a soldier. Not everyone can be uh, an electrician. Not everyone can be a politician. Amen for that, all right? Not everybody can do these things, right? Not everybody. Not everybody can be a business owner. Not everybody. But God has something for everybody. You see, God has a purpose for you and for me. And when we find that purpose, do it. Listen, if God wants you to be a cop, do it and serve God within that purpose. If God wants you to be a nurse or a doctor, do it and serve God within that purpose. If God wants you to be a business owner, do it. Serve God with it all. You see, too many times I think we get in our minds, get in our heads that the only way that I can serve God is if I surrender to preach or surrender to do this or, uh, you know, surrender to full-time Christian service. And I get it. I understand when preachers say, uh, give your life to full-time Christian service. I understand what you're saying. But it can give a little bit of negative connotation too, you see. Uh, that, that might mean that somebody that's not a preacher can't serve God full-time. Well, I've not read in my Bible we're to be part-time Christians, okay? No matter what you're doing. No, you serve God fully with your life and whatever purpose He has given you to do. Find God's will for your life and do it because listen, when it comes to facing, going back to what He's talking about, arming ourselves, especially against persecution, against suffering, against difficulties, because listen, when you find yourself facing those times... When you find yourself going through some difficulty and suffering, do you know how you're going to be able to endure them and to face them and not quit when you're armed with this? When you're armed with, well, I know it's what God's given me to do. But, but, but I know I'm in God's will. Good. Be armed with that. That when the waves and the storm comes and beats against your vessel, you'll continue to sail on. Armed with the fact and knowing, this is God's will for my life. So how can we be armed today? We've got to have some proper thinking. Proper thinking on the matter when it comes to enduring pain and suffering. You see, it was just common in the New Testament that those that follow Jesus it would happen our American culture is highly against that I'm not saying I want pain or enjoy pain I'm not saying that but our American culture is 100% against it And whatever it takes to get out of that uncomfortable time or moment or whatever do it well that might not be what God wants you see we've got to have some proper thinking and number two we've got to have and be armed with purposeful existence this is what God wants for me this these people are in the middle of God's will at this moment you see too many times we think that we're going through this difficulty. Well, it must be some kind of sin or it must be some kind of wrong I'm in or I've done that I've, I've deserved this. Well, sometimes there is consequences of sin. We've talked about this before, but that don't always mean you're in some sort some of sin while you're going through suffering. We, we, we saw that in, in the life of Job when his friends, those miserable comforters, remember? They thought he was in some kind of sin. That's why he lost his family and lost everything he owned. That wasn't true. He was armed, Job was armed with knowing he was in the center of God's will. And that's why he did not curse God and die. Or charge God foolishly. He knew it. We must be armed with the same. That when these times do come, you can face them and endure them. And even live victoriously through them in the Lord. There's a couple of things here I would love to take more time and look at, but I think I'll save it for next Sunday. As we look at two more points next time, we'll see, be armed with a peculiar life and, and be armed with this. There's coming a prospective day in the future. I want to stop here today. and I'm wondering if God is helping you in that moment to adjust your thinking on the matter. We've got to have proper thinking. But especially to find what God wants for your life. And Maybe you're in the middle of it. You know, what this, you know it's what God wants for you, but why am I facing this? You know, that common question we have when we go through difficulties. Stand strong in the will of God and on the word of God because you have a purpose for your life. Let God help you through it. Our Father, we thank you for your word.